0: Hello friends, Kirk Kenderson. today for an episode of Kirk Your Enthusiasm. It's been a long time since I've had a non-Maverick uh, adjacent guest on, but the comings and goings of the last few weeks sort of required it. Today I am bringing on Matt Moore of the Action Network, you may know him from such places as Twitter, where he uh, tends to occasionally incite riots under the name of HP Basketball. I I had intended to have him on last week when he was just sort of spitballing his rankings of of who he thought would finish where, where he had the Mavericks place ninth, and and it made the internet, uh, the Mavericks internet mad at him, Um, but then we just couldn't find time but instead, what happened is the Mavericks played um, two basketball games where they look like warmed over ass, and and, and <laughs> here we are. So, so Matt, how are you today?
1: I, I first off, uh, shouts to Mavericks Twitter for all replying to me with the "That's Bait" gift in those <laughs> rankings. It was like literally for two days, I got the same gifts popping up in my mentions. It was absolutely great. I loved it. Uh really appreciate it. I also you like that movie Haw- too. I, I, yeah, I do I love that movie. I want to pat myself on the back for not taking a victory lap after they got fucking annihilated by the Hawks. Yep. Uh I wanted to. I wanted to be like, who's upset? Who's gonna finish now? Like <laughs> now. Um, what's bait now? But I was like, don't do it. It's fine. The Hawks are good. It's one game. Um it's interesting because this this guy this, our our little meeting here came about because like I have questions for you, sir.
0: Like I have so. Many let's questions. let's let's just kind of hop right into them then, because I think we'll we'll the the conversation will erupt from that.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, watched the, watched the Raptors game and mm-hmm. saw the same things you did, which like first half they look like the same piece of garbage that they did in the Hawks game. And then, like towards the end of the, of the first half, they just are like, "Here, Luca, go do things." And Luca uh-huh. like, "I will do things now." And then it worked. And there was I tracked it. There was 13 straight possessions that ended in the half court that were either Luca isos or Luca pick and rolls that generated specifically a shot. Like not mm-hmm. like they ran a Luca pick and roll and did some other stuff. Just directly shots that came out of either Luca isos or pick and rolls. Um, just they they just went to it over and over again. And you know, as you and 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 Josh mentioned on the podcast, like, it worked, right? Like, it worked. So that's good. Um, You have mentioned your frustrations with, like, the other players, and you've had this for some time with other Mavericks players, either their inability to dribble or their inability to shoot um, and these other kind of mechanisms. So, like, I want to ask you this. We're aligned, I think, on the things that, like, as soon – one of the reasons I had the Mavericks ninth Mm-hmm. was I was like oh boy like when they hired kid I was like that's a bad hire and I have to downgrade them because of that but then you're like okay look maybe you know as for all the stuff in his past and all of the off court concerns you know he has been a part of different staffs maybe he's learned something the lakers something. liked him right. right and and they you know they brought in uh the assistant so like there's like sp- there's probably more like voices in the room but then when the preseason talk was we want more of porzingis in the post and mid range and less threes, how am I not going to downgrade them? Um, my question for you, though, is this If the other players, if you need the ball in Luca's hands in order to be successful, don't you, by that very nature, have to just basically be like, we need a heliocentric, rockets hardened, four shooters around Luca, and we just like three shooters and a dive man. Basically, mm-hmm. around Luca, and that's like otherwise you're wasting it because basically you're never you're never going to be able to get. I don't think a trade where you're ever going to have a guy that you can legitimately say no, no. no. They sh- these two guys should have similar usage rates.
0: Uh, it's really tough because the other players there's and and Mavericks fans get very upset with me when I say this, but this is a stone cold fact. The gap between Luca and the second best player on the team is so much wider than people grasp yeah. where it, it, and it's not to say even those players are necessarily bad it's just luca is incandescent when he's good and it they've never addressed you know a lot of the the roster based problems so with what they've been trying these first two games you know tim and and what spurred this conversation just for full disclosure is tim cato wrote a nice piece that kind of you know it echoes a lot of what josh has been talking about and Kid has been trying to to run a system that really, and a lot of what they've been doing offensively disregards what the talents of the actual players are, and you know Luca could stand to buy in a lot more. I've seen that on the tape; like he's clearly just you know meandering off ball. Yeah, and I have a I have a real problem with that, and I don't know how to address it because he does need to buy in more, but the system itself it doesn't use him. Right. Like some of the things they've been doing where it's like, okay, you just go stand over here and draw attention where he could, you know, maybe cut harder. That's still a bad usage. Like, like Porzingis was so thrilled to get all those shots in the first game. And it's like, number one, you're shooting something like 33% on the year. So let's simmer down friendo. Um, but, but number two, it, 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 when you take the ball out of his hands, that, for the stretches that they were, it was what I had sort of wondered if they would try, which was, well, we're going to give everyone else a chance to be good on offense, and we're just going to see what happens. And part of the problem is is they were they scored under twenty five points for five straight quarters when they did this. and And I'm not sure what to do because you and I have debated for years about sort of you know, does Luca just have to have the ball all the time? I don't think the answer is yes, but the players that they're giving the ball to instead, the only one who can really get his own shot is Jalen Brunson. That's it. Yeah. Tim, Tim Hardaway can't do it. Um, Porzingis will do it, but that doesn't mean he can do it.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, and so I think, you know, with the, the ideal model, here's, this is why it's complicated, right? So the ideal model is probably Portland where they managed to find a pretty good balance between Dame and CJ. But over time, if one player is not dedicated to off-ball movement like Steph Mm -hmm. is, and Steph's quite literally the best off-ball player, I think, in history.
0: Um, Like Ray Allen's probably a close second. But I like the comp, though, because Dame has the same damn problem. Or when he doesn't have the ball, he is just, it's four on five. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is,
1: is over time, like they've had good actions and honestly the Blazers have
0: had an incredible
1: offense, Mm -hmm. like their offensive numbers year after year are incredible, but over time it does devolve very clearly. And this is what got Stotts fired on top of a a number of other things is it turns into by necessity, your turn, my turn. And like, I think honestly, I've said this though. I think there's value in your turn, my turn from the perspective of this, um you rest players basically it gets a sure. guy like, because this is part of what i've been talking about with the nuggets consistently is like they need to run more stuff for mpj not just because it will get mpj into something that he actually understands because he doesn't <laughs> understand five on five and he certainly doesn't understand music <laughs> well. um but it also it's a possession where Nikola Jokic doesn't have to do everything right <laughs> just like a handful of possessions because lebron used to do this where like lebron will honestly if it's an action in which he's not like primarily involved in it lebron's like i'm going over here they know the play call they know i'm not gonna like they know i'm not cutting they know i'm not screening they know i'm not like they know it so i'm just gonna go over here and they have to stay with me because i'm lebron but he just like checks out and i think it's fine because it does get you those rest opportunities but like that's the thing is i don't know i don't know what luka does if you i will say this if you had a dominant post player then I think it makes sense because Lucan and that person can just play two man game yep. back and forth over and over and over again.
0: Like, but Porzingis doesn't want to roll. Like there's some real, like he's pretty good at it is the thing, but he doesn't commit to it. I still think there's a little bit of uh, like, he hears footsteps when yeah. he's rolling and I don't blame him. He's had so many foot injuries and leg injuries, but he doesn't commit to the role. And then that just sort of, has this downhill effect of where okay, players kind of key in on Luca and then you kind of yeah. know what's gonna happen. And frankly, like Porzingis has a like massively overblown reputation as a shooter. Yeah. I think when he makes one, it scares teams, but they don't fear him. Like like on the opening night broadcast, whoever was with Doris said that KP was a better shooter than um Joel Embiid and last season. And it quite literally wasn't true. Yes. But and 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 it's hard to sort of explain that. Because people think, at least when they hear me, it's like, oh Kirk, you're just being a grump, you're being a grump. But it's like, well, yeah, I am, but I'm also not wrong because I, the Mavericks took a took a system that was that worked pretty well, only that didn't have quite good enough players, and they've just not addressed the players portion at any part of, of Lucas tenure. They moved they they put him in a heliocentric phase and in 20 in um January 2019 when they traded everybody for Porzingis and they've basically had the same core group of players and what you're what you've kind of asked me over the years is is what you just did now if they had better players would it necessarily make a difference and it's just the last thing they haven't tried i mean i'm not sure like okay. i would have loved like a Mal- malcolm brogdon type like there's got to be a ball handling yeah. guard that can pass like brunson is a hell of a scorer but what his role is to shoot and yeah. there's just not anybody else that sees some of these, you know, and, and granted, that's because Luke is a generational passer, really, too. But some of the passes that he's making where it's like, OK, drive, draw attention, kick to the open person. It's not not all of it is wizardry. Yeah, I think Brogdon is a good comp there. Um, so I'm I'm over
1: at Dunksand3s.com, which mm-hmm. uses EPM, which I'm very, 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 very high on because its ability, I think, to predict the MVP is going to be. It's going to be one of the stronger indicators, I think. And, and on that list, um, like Booker had a rough season last year, so he's right above Porzingis. And I don't think either of us think that those two are on the same level. But the two guys above Porzingis after Booker are Victor Oladipo, Dejounte Murray, and then the third is is Malcolm Brogdon. And like all of those guys, like Oladipo, I think is actually a pretty fascinating comparison, right, with the injury history and being kind of a difficult personality on, for for various reasons. But also, mm-hmm. like if you just translated if you just translated Chris Tapp's Porzingis at the approximate value to Victor Oladipo from a perimeter perspective with a little bit better shooting. And then you just play them with a traditional rim running center that can attack the rim. Right. And mm-hmm. like the Mavericks have shown interest in this for years. Like they were in the Capella talks and they've like, they've gone after like a number of people. Like I know for a fact that they were involved in John Collins conversations last year, which had they pulled off that deal would have been incredible. Like Collins right. would be amazing in this, right? Absolutely. But, but, that's, but that's kind of the thing is, you know, Luke, if you're going to go down this road, this is what the kind of the issue is, 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 and Porzingis, this is a, a, not a new thing. One of the things that I have a hard time, and you know this from talking to me all the time is I have a really hard time when fans of a team only have the reference of a player when he's on their team. And they think mm-hmm. that that player is who that they've like always been. Yep. And I'm like, well, no, like I've covered the guy. Previous, like, I've written about the guy yeah. previously. I've, re- I've read quotes and things. I paid attention to these things. Like, the very first, like, uh-oh, moment for me with Porzingis was not the injuries. It was when he said he loved the triangle and didn't understand why they were scrapping it in New York.
0: Yep. And that was, and that was way back. We're talking, like, yeah. Six, 2016.
1: Yeah. That's when I was first, like, oh, that's not good. Like, any any guy that that thinks that that system in today's NBA, because what that basically said is,
0: I like touches. Well, I did you see call. that? did Did you see what I said back to you today? And if you didn't, I'm just going to read it because it's good for the podcast. We didn't to read it. We didn't talk about this near enough. Where did I? Where did I say this to you? Um, we didn't. We didn't talk about this at all in the post game because we didn't see it. But after the the Mavericks lost to the Hawks, Porzingis said, "I love how my teammates Luca and everybody are trying to find me in the post. We're going to have to find that balance that we're not clogging up the paint." He was one for seven from the post in that game. I'm not sure what he thinks is a good shot. Like it's, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to kick him because I'm trying very hard to balance some of my just absolute fury with his, you know, last year, his body wasn't right. And he does look better. Like he looks actually looks great if we're being quite honest, but that greatness to date has not translated into offensive effectiveness. What's going to happen with him is he's going to have three games where he shoots like 55% from the three-point line, and everybody's going to be yelling at me about, oh, look at this, look at this, and then he's going to have nine games where he shoots in the 20s. Like He is not a consistent player, and that is okay, but there's just not enough. Like The Mavericks really put themselves down this path twofold. First, when they traded a pick to go get Luka, and Cuban to date says that Mark Stein's reporting is bad, which I like simply cannot be possible. And and says that they weren't going like they would have taken Kent more salary instead of sending a pick, which I mean, Cuban has always been averse to adding salary because he wants the cap space, even though they never use it correctly. So they got into trouble when they had to trade that pick, which you make that trade every day of the week, twice on Sundays. It's whatever. But then they tried to send two more picks out for Porzingis. So they've effectively locked themselves into this course, which for years everyone's told me, you know, what, what else do you expect them to do? And my, my response is like, I don't care. I'm not the GM. Do something. Don't tell me I was locked in. Be creative. Do something. Because everything they've tried hasn't worked, which is really remarkable, which is, is kind of a transition point to something I'd like to ask your, your thoughts on. The first two games, Reggie Bullock has played a total of like 30 minutes. And and he's being like, if you look at the box scores, the Mavericks are playing straight up 90s basketball. It's outstanding. They're like Luca has 40 minutes. Dorian Finney Smith has 40 minutes. What I don't know enough about kids like, like the some of the, the specifics. Is is he that kind of guy? Cause I always thought, like, looking looking at his some of the rosters he played in, in, in uh Milwaukee. They really did try to use younger guys, at least there, or maybe that was Brooklyn. Is he just a guy that's going to grind his starters to dust? Because otherwise this is going to get rough. Yeah. I mean, I think that's,
1: I think one of the things here is um, it's based off of in the nineties, like you did play like that, right? Like where, mm-hmm. you know, when, when did kid play? And if you look at, at some of the minutes distribution, like uh, Giannis, when he was 21 years old, okay. Back in 2016, was playing 35 minutes a night. Chris Milton was playing 36 minutes a night. Now that's not bad. Like that's not that's not terrible, right? Like Jokic did it did one season where he was uh, sub 30, and it was like an impressive job by Michael Malone to actually not uh, fall into his worst things. Like, this is part of his the old school coaches and like the, that mindset. They're always going to kind of like lean towards that. I don't think that those guys will want to play in 40. I think kid probably feels pressure to get like you want
0: you don't want to start off bad because it can things can spiral and, but and they started off bad. They effectively right. have started off bad. They're not even, they're playing a too big lineup mm-hmm. and I'm not. And, and he strikes me as an incredibly stubborn. Like Rick Carlisle was stubborn. Mm-hmm. but kid strikes me as a completely different kind of stubborn because I don't think he believes the math. Rick believed in the math. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, this is
1: I mean The, the three points comment was, was pretty evident where here, here's one of the issues you can complain about how the game is played. And you can complain about how if teams can't hit from three, they're pretty much sunk, right? Sure. And they don't have alternatives. I think those are fair criticisms. I think those are fair things to talk about. But the problem is, unless you have a viable alternative, unless you have unless you are so good at what you do. Like this is the problem, is and, and coaches run into this all the time where I've asked coaches about this. At what point do you analyze and say that? Like, how do you approach thinking, like, how do you put, approach critiquing your own game plan? And the first thing that they say is, you have to determine whether or not it's execution or not. Because if it's execution of the game plan, then you don't know if the game plan is good or bad.
0: Ooh. Right. That's, okay. So, we only have two two tapes so far. Two games. Yep. The execution has been piss poor. <laughs> yep. like, like, I, I just... Giving kid a little bit of leeway here and and the fans yelling about this. They did win the Raptors game. They did win the Raptors game, but the Raptors had played the night before. They won by eight points and trailed for a significant portion of the game. That was not a resounding victory. It was not. Because I I feel like their execution, and kids probably on this too, their execution has been bad, and part of that leads into Luka's buy-in. But even like, there's these little things, Josh Bowe's posted about it, where the spacing decisions by the players themselves yeah. are bad. Like Dwight Powell will cut at Luca when Luca has the ball. And when I say at Luca, I'm not being facetious. I mean, he runs at him, not to yeah. an open spot on the floor. It's been really, it's been really, you know, kind of just dis, dis, disconcerting because I felt like a lot of these players had a pretty good idea of what air, like what airspace meant and what it could do for them. But it, it's, it's just very confusing because kid to a certain degree has to be thinking well these guys aren't really running what i want them to correctly so how am i supposed to know yeah that's the thing is like (sighs) if see for mine like i went through and i watched
1: kp's post-ups this morning and like his first one versus the raptors is a is essentially it's an it's a it's a deep elbow cut or it's a deep elbow touch rather that results in a one-legged fadeaway (laughs) and i mean this is the thing right is in a couple of years ago like 2017 ish like, there were, first, it started as well, you know, cats clearly better and Embiid is dominant. And then mm-hmm. you're like, you like, know, it was a unicorn conversation. But, right. You know, and then it became like, oh, well, hang on, like, where's Jokic fit in this? Like, and then right. it was like Jokic versus Porzingis was like the supposed feud, you know, and over time, like, obviously, and like, that's not, I'm not trying to hold Porzingis to him to Jokic's standard, but this is the problem is that Porzingis approaches it. And honestly, the team is constructing it as if Porzingis is like a B level jokic and that's not the case in any
0: scenario for any nba player yeah. no one is you know, like it's just a poor it's it's a misunderstanding of what the guy's good at well even then like i think like demana sabonis i think is like
1: a b plus a minus nicole jokic like if you traded porzingis for demana sabonis right now everything makes sense but like porzingis is just literally not good at the things that a he wants to do or B the things that kid has clearly stated they intend to do with him right and so I, I don't know and that's why it was so confusing when in the se- this is why i don't know what to make of that second half versus, versus the raptors kirk is yeah. like i'll say this on some level okay there's two interpretations one is like well look kid looked at the situation and realizes it wasn't working and understands like you do what you gotta do to get a win and they've abandoned it and now going forward they'll just do what they should do or like b is why did it take a game and a half for
0: a coach to abandon what was a flawed game plan?
1: Well, listen to to this quote,
0: because I don't know if you heard this quote, Jason Kidd on the difference between the Mavericks offense in the first and second half with Luca at the top and being able to read who's open. He gives us a great quarterback guys were setting screens higher and trying to give him some airspace. And he was aggressive. If you're an NBA coach and you didn't know that going in,
1: Right. And you're a bad fucking coach. What What were you doing during the Lakers Mavericks games last year? My well, man, that's like, where we've we-
0: been really like, like we as kind of a, a mavsmoneyball dot And we have a lot of writers who argue all the time about stuff, but I will tell you that all of us were baffled at this sort of organization from Donnie Nelson. Even after Donnie was fired, kid brought in the same rhetoric of we've got to get the ball out of Lucas hands and, you know, kid talked about Picasso using all his paints and some horse shit. And it's just like, I understand like you are very critical of Luca's game, but at the same time, you at least grasp very well what he excels at. And when kid makes a comment like that, it says to me as a fan, this guy doesn't entirely get it.
1: Yeah. Like this is what I think is fascinating about Luca is like, look, man, you know, I think part of this is also baby steps, right? Mm -hmm. Where, I feel like they want to jump all the way to the end. And I'm like no. no, no, no. Yeah. Like, yeah. What you need like what you need to do is you need to run heliocentric with good defense, like get get yourself some good defenders that can shoot. Get and like build on what you were honestly, like two years ago and like they tried, but here's like the also issues. Like they tried that last year and you can just say like the misstep was just basically thinking Josh Richardson was good, which like I'm guilty of, right? Like right. I thought like, no, no, no. Like the Sixers were just a bad situation. And now I'm like, no, no, no I don't trust anybody that comes out of Miami anymore. Like nobody, like you come out <laughs> of this, it, it's like the Patriots, you come out mm. of that system. You're going to have to show me that you're still good. I do not believe you. Um, But like, this is the whole thing is, is you can do, you can build yourself into a contender, a top three seed. And then from there, you can be like, all right, we're at this level. We've built up the stock of our guys because we've made these deep playoff runs. Now we can, you know, make whatever trades that we need to and maybe get that second star. They can. And now we can play sharing the ball. Everybody's getting touches. Good central. Like, I know what they're going for, which is the ball. You know, Mares does this, right? Yeah. Ball's popping. Yeah. Ball's popping. They want that, like with Luca as the initiator and or the finisher, Mm -hmm. but the issue is you're just not there yet. Yeah, like you have to work with what you have, and if this is your
0: roster, everything should have made more moves. If they wanted to do something different, they should have made some more moves. And I'm not really sure where they go from here. It's I I think what will happen, and I know you got to go soon. I think what will happen is that they will find kind of an ugly middle where they win. Over 50% of their games, yeah. because on talent alone, Luca going to be able to do this, but it's going to be a little bit ugly, and it's going to be very frustrating. And I don't, you know, the, the thing about this that is just very vexing to me, and then Josh Bow is that the Mavericks were a record-setting offense with the same players, minus Seth Curry, okay? It's basically it. Two seasons ago. And right now, I don't know what their offensive rate, because it's only been a few games, but they were the bottom, they bottom three in offense after after game game one because they scored 87 points. And and just to strip a team's strength like this is very, is very confusing. And a lot of people say, oh, well, it's going to be good for them when they get to the playoffs. Like, guys, the Mavericks have to get to the playoffs. Right. This is I mean, not a foregone conclusion here. Yeah, and the other thing I would say
1: is like it's very difficult to get to the playoffs and win. If your strength is a medium like this, Mm. there's a balance here. I get what they're saying because it is, it's really important to have diversity of what you can do in the playoffs. If you are singular, you get solved. This is the jazz problem each and every single year. Right. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm very amenable to that point of view. My problem is you do have to have in some situations, like a raw identity that you can just be like, we're going to bludgeon you with this. Like we're just going to beat the snot out of you with this sequence over and over again for the Lakers. It's honestly, it's like defense forcing transition or it's LeBron and AD pick and roll, which honestly isn't that good, but it's a good enough weapon. Um, Like the two players are individually so great that it works. I
0: do hope the Mavs run more like that was something that I enjoyed because I know you didn't watch much Olympics, but Luca really loves the kick ahead pass and the Mavericks so far when they try it, every single ball handler is Stanley dribbling. It's been just hilarious. So I think they'll figure that out over time though.
1: Your half-court offense right now is 0.854, which is 24th in the league. These are the teams that are worse than you. The Celtics, the Wolves, surprisingly, because they have a lot of weapons. The Pelicans without Zion. The Thunder, the Raptors that you just faced. And you saw what kind of weapons they're bringing to the table. And the Pistons. Mm. When you have Luka Doncic... And it's, been a, two, it's been two games. It's
0: again, yeah. they'll be they'll they'll finish top five in this category. I have no doubt. Well, if but, they don't, but if they don't, then it's a question that's that's a you know, like a lot of people have been asking me, Oh, do you think Jason Kidd will make the year? And I'm like, Yes, because if for as much as I stick to a stick to a strong take, Mark Cuban will not relent. That man yeah, will well, not the money accept reasons for it, too.
1: Like, there's money reasons for it, too. I can't see them them bailing that soon on it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it, though, is I just think what's what going to wind up happening is. If it's not working, but you're still going to have the same guy with the same ideas and you still are trying to make it work with Porzingis, who has those similar ideas, then the most likely thing that you wind up doing is you make trades that move you further from what you need, right? Like you don't trade for a rim runner to upgrade on WCS, which is honestly what you need. Like you you can, I think honestly you can do this. If even with, with Porzingis mid range kind of clogging things and then the post a little bit you can at least have enough because pos- like he cleared out in that second half. Right. So you can alternate and be like, all right, this one you're not posting. So get, get out of the paint. If you have a rim runner, you can probably make that work. Like, this is where a lot of it is. I, there's a simple change. I'm just like, look, I, I get it. Like I've never been a WCS guy. I've heard horror stories about his uh, rookie year and pre-draft profile in terms of like various awareness stuff. He's probably <laughs> Like I would imagine practice with WCS is probably frustrating, mm-hmm. but like, He's super long, he's super tall, and he's
0: athletic. Just he's been real bad though. Like almost unplayable in both games, because of that floaty stuff. But I know right. but he fits the profile. Right. That's why like, all just- the fans are clamoring for Moses Brown, because Moses Brown plays hard. Yeah. But he's just also gumby. Yeah. So
1: But like cool. these, these are the things like give him a rim runner. Give him you have the shooters. Like right. rim runner, Porzingis is a secondary option, uh, Bullock and THJ. You're cooking. Right, that's like, right. right. You know why are we messing with with all the rest of the stuff? But but I do think it's still back to our original point. I do think it's really interesting in turn because like like look, the Jalen's advanced numbers have been great, and I think Jalen's I, like I, I think Jalen was probably was better um, in some aspects. I think than he got credit for it last year. But on I, I do think this is the question: is if you're going to start with the idea of because I think this is the answer to to that, the query I ha- kind of have for you is if you're going to support an idea of taking the ball out of Luca's hands it had better be going into the hands of somebody who is within the same stratosphere as luka doncic mm-hmm. and they do not have anybody anybody within the same stratosphere and it's tough cuz luka's like a top 3 player in the league but that's the that's the demand is they if they're going to do this they're going to have to find a way to trade if they want to run an, an egalitarian offense they're going to have to trade for somebody who is at the very top of the NBA ladder.
0: Well, and I think at this point, it's a matter of the, the new front office coaching combo just needs some, some time. And I don't know how much patience there's going to be because there's this an evolving landscape. I mean, I've heard some kind of indistinct whispers about Luca changing um, uh, his, his uh, agent, which uh, is odd. Um, Anyways, I'll just leave that for anybody who actually listens. <laughs> just long. Drop
1: that in there and walk. Any, away.
0: Anybody who anybody who listens long enough, but but you know the pro the point is is like when you got a guy this good that that star will at a certain point leverage their power and say we need to do better. And Luca kind of already did that with Rick, but it's a question of how long are they going to be? You know, he was pissed at halftime, yeah. and. <laughs> It's like, uh, anyways. Well, this has been fun. I've taken up too much of your time as always. Um, we'll try to have you on. You know, it's much nicer this year because we can take a couple of days between games. We'll try to have you on, maybe uh, I don't know, month or so, month or two, just once we a little bit have a little bit more data and we can talk about stuff. Um, and then we can see if there's any interesting maps betting things down the down the line. Yeah, so. for
1: sure. Um, one more, one more thing. I just want to reiterate, they're one in one. Everything. Like, I don't want to get like torn into pieces about this being. Oh right. Just telling you. I'm like, I'm just saying I have, I have questions about how
0: this has gone to start. That's all. Sure. Sure. All right, man. You have a good day. Uh, This has been Kirk Henderson and Matt Moore coming up next. We have Tim Cato from the athletic. Hello guys. I'm back with Tim Cato of the athletic. If you don't know him, what are you doing? You're under a rock. How can you possibly be affiliated with Mavericks at all? If you don't know who's covering the team, Tim, how are you doing today? I am doing
2: good that is that is quite a way to describe me uh, Well,
0: you know it's like uh it's it's funny because you wrote a really nice really nice post today, long post too uh kind of observations, and you know one of the funny parts about covering a team I imagine has to be you know your your coverage and my coverage are often very different and sometimes you go to write and it's like, well, somebody else has written about, I don't want to do it. And then you managed uh, to really thread the needle quite nicely because two games full of overreactions um, had prompted our site to just vomit up as many different takes as you could possibly imagine. And I really liked what you did here because I want to ask you one question about the offense, but then you, you pivoted to something on defense, which I think is really worth, worth hitting on. And and will is really kind of undercovered at this point, but um. So, yeah, first of all, everybody, go subscribe to The Athletic. They do good work. Great great website, great app. Really enjoy reading it. Um, but the, the first thing I want to ask you is, are they going to continue this this offensive experimentation? Or is, you know, because we basically have 96 minutes of basketball and 24 of which looked like Maverick basketball from past seasons.
2: Right, right, right. Um, well, first off, like, I, I actually have the exact same issue trying to thread new thoughts and observations into a blogosphere especially like when it's just an analysis like this when I'm not doing mm. any reporting I'm not you know coming up with a a unique story idea it, it is hard and like i read Josh you know Josh bow's piece after and I, I've certainly read some other stuff from from Matt Moneyball and from uh um talk Franco and, and other people like that and I'm like this is all really smart stuff and I just I don't want to just regurgitate it <laughs> right,
0: um, right.
2: <laughs> i think i think what i'd say in regards to your question is I feel like I feel like the seeing how easily they reverted to it in the second half and, and it wasn't a complete abandonment of what they're trying to do. and, and it, honestly, i I view it a little bit more as a um as a lineup thing than a strategy thing. You know, mm. I just think I think it was I think it was more important or or more influential that they went to those one big lineups rather than completely stopped whatever. You know, Igor is trying to do Igor Kukoskov. Uh, did I say that right? Yes, I'm still working on that one. Okay, Kukoskov? just sure.
0: It's you're pretty close. Yeah, cause, uh, yeah the, okay. I have a hard okay. time. I, to I'm it. gonna I'm
2: gonna figure that one out uh, <laughs> off off pod and make sure I have it down because that's a but but yeah. It, I mean, it is Igor who's who's you know systematically you know putting a lot of the specifics into place. I, I think that. You know, certainly Jason Kidd probably thinks conceptually this is a good idea, but I don't think that he is, you know, specifically installing all of these ideas. And you know, if if movement, you know, like here, let's let's reset. So if the Mavericks can shift to this really good offense, really solid offense that can win them games like they did, at in half second, have against Toronto <laughs> at halftime, like really just because Luca's like this hasn't been working. Uh, I think it was a uh, talk Franco who even was like you know, towards the end of the first half, uh, Luca just runs a, a bunch of uh, a stacked pick and rolls. And, you know, that was him being like, all right, this is one of my favorite plays. I know it works. Like, I know we can get points out of it. Let's just do this for a little bit. Um, if they can revert that easily, and as long as they aren't building themselves like a eight and 12 or seven and 13 hole, if they spend 20 games seeing if this lineup can work or this, sorry, this offense, this, this style of offense can work, I guess I don't see an enormous issue with it. Mm-hmm. Um if if their justification for going to that is sound. And if the I, I would imagine their justification is that it will reduce the load on Luca a little bit, which has not been the case yet because they played him, you know, 39 minutes both games or they were wanting
0: to. They, you know, they pulled him out of the nineteen like, nineties box score. It's actually really yeah, fun. Sincerely. I didn't realize it till after the fact.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, maybe, maybe this all ball movement, like It helps Luca, and it also makes the offense a bit more more dynamic and a bit more resistant to the playoff struggles that we've seen. If that's the Mm -hmm. thinking, if the thinking is the Mavericks offense can be a top five, probably top three offense, no matter how they play, but the style and the schemes that they're trying to install right now with more movement, more cutting uh, Luca popping off the ball. um, If, if, you know, they think that can also be a top five, top three offense, just with more to it and and more resistance, like I said, mm-hmm. to, you know, the, the defenses they're going to face in the postseason. I think that's a fine experiment. Now, I don't know their reasoning. Um, if they were to, like, you know, truthfully explain to me what they're doing, like, that's when I would really examine and be like, all right, I think this makes sense to me. This doesn't. But if it's something like I just outlined, that it, that at least checks out logically what they're trying to do. And knowing that they can just go back to running a bunch of, you know, stacked pick and rolls with Luca, uh, with one big man on the floor, and that will lead them to scoring points because this team is functionally the same as it's been for, you know, three straight years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that does leave you such a high baseline to experiment with, because you can always just fall back and go back to what was working and what you know works.
0: I so I really got a kick out of a couple of because, of, you know, I don't know if people have really how much people deep dive into two games worth of stats, but Porzingis is shooting like 33% from the floor. It's not like he is shooting 33% from the floor. And one thing you <laughs> one thing you posted was he said you showed a clip of him and it said you you wrote it could have been an immediate pull up two from a glass friendly angle but instead turned into a Dirk Nowitzki one-footed fade just take the first shot and i really got to kick out of that cuz like Porzingis, when he does the simple he executes the simple stuff really well because his size is his advantage and i think he'll settle in there and i i'm i've not even really talked about him on offense too much past the past the point of laughing at some of his his post game quotes like the the man just cares about his touches a lot and sometimes it just drives me crazy that is what it is so the the other question that i really wanted to ask you though is and and josh made this point a little bit earlier where he's like are are we just not going to talk about what they're doing on defense which is different or at least to me feels different because porzingis looks like a really good defensive center through two games yeah so last season and
2: you know even the past few seasons, I, I think it's fair to mostly describe Rick Carlisle's defensive philosophy um, for pick and roll, you know, pick and roll defensive philosophy was that he would either have the big man drop and it was a pretty static uh, passive drop where the guy would come halfway up and then just kind of sit there and, and let the play develop in front or it would be a, a proactive switch, um, which I think even though switching seems really aggressive, it's a pretty passive defensive philosophy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is that all fair? Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just think that there is more activity and there is more being asked um, of, you know, the the players in the pick and roll that the big man is coming higher. Um, sometimes that means that the help defense has to be a little bit more either in stunting or fully committing. Um, you know, I, I liked what they did against Trey where they situationally trapped him um out of pick and roll scenarios and it did seem to mostly fluster him there i mean there was one moment where like they successfully trapped him he ch- throws the ball away and both players leave him and he hits a three but you know lapses are gonna happen like it, playing defense in the nba is is a is a fool's errand like mm-hmm. you know the scores are in the hundreds every every you know every game you know you're gonna give up a bunch of points um but i agree like i, I think the more active approach has been um it's looked good it looks good It, it has. it has looked good to me um they, they they seem to know what they're doing, um, and I, it's not even like in a fairness to Rick Carlisle, but you know the, one of the reasons his passive pick and roll schemes from last year, especially, may have been in place, is because Porzingis was not moving. Now, actually having the guy who's coming up, you know, you didn't want Porzingis taking all, you know, taking a few more steps to get all the way to the screener, you know, that he's guarding in a pick and roll setting if he's defending it. Because he he wasn't mobile enough to drop back in time, nope. and so just you know just just having a bit more trust in him being able to do that I think is is pretty important.
0: and so this yeah
2: is, it was just, look, it has looked good so far.
0: This is a little thing, but I thought it was an interesting stat, and I don't know how much it matters. So Luca contested about six shots a game last year. So far, with our tiny sample size, he's contesting about nine and a half shots a game, um, which for Luca feels big because nothing vexes me more, even as a You know, just kind of watching the game when guys don't challenge three point shots or distance shots. And Luca in particular has, I feel like he's trying harder, even if he's also being targeted more because the Toronto and Atlanta went at him. And so where he comes out in the wash in terms of if he's willing to keep up his defensive, um, I don't, intensity doesn't feel like the right word because he's not exactly intense, but he's no longer like kind of just a bystander to, to at least so far.
2: Right. It, it's so that's a funny thing to ask because did you see that thing that was floating around? Um, that was the, the Dorian Finney Smith post-ups. Oh yeah. On offense just, where he's just, just not how even, unengaged yeah. on
0: offense. He was yeah. incredible stuff where it just looks like the guy who's angry at pickup.
2: Okay, so, so how many how many contested shots did you say he's
0: he, he's doing this season? He's contesting nine and a half so far, from, up okay. from six games. So that's statistically significant. So I just pulled it up real quick, just out of
2: curiosity. Um, in December of last season, he was contesting eight shots a game. Um, so it, it could very much be a early season. He's going to be more engaged, and he works <laughs> down as, uh, over the course of the year. Here, just that's for fun, good. let me uh, – Let me toss this to January as well.
0: Weird, he's contesting negative four shots in January.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Somehow somehow it evens out. Um, He he was down to just six, an average of six contested shots in in January of last year. But January is also a really weird year. I mean, I think he looks physically fine, Doncic. And I think that, you know, everything we knew about what last season was, why he came into the, you know, I you know, I, bu- I bought all the reasons of why he came into last season out of shape. He admitted it. He copped to it. He worked to get better. I, if you don't come in with a certain baseline, like you're never really going to reach that throughout the course of a season, especially not last season with how convinced it was. So yeah, I, I think, I think he's going to be in a, in a good place there. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess the reason I looked at that stat is like, I, I just, you know, maybe he is contesting more. Yes. Like so far he is contesting more shots, I'm gonna need to see that for like 25 sure. games. No, that's, before that's I really fair. point to it as as something that is meaningful or impactful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I it's silly to for all of us to over overreact so much after two games, but you know, compared to last season where the Mavericks were playing four and a half days a week, you kind of had that in your bag because there was just constantly new tape to to react to and now through we you know the season ostensibly started last tuesday it's monday the mavericks have played uh twice and it's it's you know we're we're coming upon like a four four days or four games in like six day stretch which is you know just kind of how the season goes but hopefully all of us will learn to maybe not write Every feeling that we have, (laughs) but I don't know. It's it's. I
2: I will say. I will say one more thing to your like. Should we be like? Where's the focus? Offense, defense. Why is it on offense? Why isn't it on defense? Uh, Just some inside baseball. Like, I do want to dive into the defense, and you know, before the first game was played, my thinking was let's get to game six or seven Mm -hmm. where we have some level of meaningful, um, you know, meaningful sample size data, etc. And what was happening with the with the offense through the first two games? Just at times, you know, I I, I was very optimistic when I talked about it in my first answer. Um, there were some things happening very clearly that just made no sense. Like they, mm-hmm. they were egregiously like I would love to sit down with the coach and be like, <laughs> what what was trying to happen here? Because it was not happening. So you know, mostly the spacing stuff. The really bad your colleague stuff.
0: Sam Vicenti was losing his mind at the he, spacing yo, in the Atlanta yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. It was, yes. but it's it's like you know, Dorian. Again, he posted up again the other day, but there, there's just little things that work itself out over time. I, I right. think it. It. I'm, I'm just very interested because it. It. The, some of kids' quotes, and I really appreciate honestly how much he's talking, but some of his quotes confuse me. <laughs> I know he's got to do the coach speak thing, and I'm. It's going to take me a while to get used to someone who's not Carlisle, who just basically like either shuts you down or says nothing versus Jason Kidd right. who the other night against the Raptors, he's like, Oh, well you know, we let Luca be the quarterback. And it's like, you mean you, you didn't know Luca should be the quarterback? <laughs> What's going so, on so here? under with with Rick at times like in, in
2: the past I've done stories where to prove a point, to prove a transition, a, a progression, I've pulled a Carlisle quote from, you know, December in a season and then January and then March and then April. And I've kind of built on that. And it's like, this is what he was saying and thinking thin. Um, this is what he was focusing on this, you know, this season. I don't, I don't think I can do that with Kid. Like his, his quotes just like, don't seem consistent. Like, like, um, like they don't exist in the same, like uh, Canon universe. It
0: almost feels like. Yeah. Like, I may have to do That's something. That's a really more good description. And yeah, I, I, I feel a little crazy. And I'm glad that I, I, you're, at least you're saying that I'm, I'm not that crazy. I, right. Like, we just need more. It's it's just like the the games. Like we need more quotes. We need, we need more. Right. More yeah. I just, I, I don't think, I don't think there's
2: a linear linear uh, through line. God, I, I use that word so often, That's but okay. I just don't think, I don't think that there's like some specific through line that runs through everything Jason Kidd says every time he has to talk to the media mm-hmm. Um. This is truly not a criticism. It's just an observation that, you know, he will answer a question the way that when that question is asked, his reaction is to answer it rather than Carlisle, who was very scheming. That's maybe a little harsh, but he was very. No, but there was a message he was he was
0: sticking to he was like a political operative or he was sticking to the plan.
2: Yes. 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 That's, that's exactly right. That's exactly the way I would describe it um, enough to, you know, this is also inside baseball. So, so, you know, Carlo, you know, Carlisle's rant about the post-ups from two mm-hmm. seasons ago involving Porzingis. Right. It, the most interesting thing about that. So I asked that question. It was the very last question of that post game. And um. I I kind of hesitated for a second. I, I was like, you know, maybe maybe, You know this will get something, but we, you know, we've asked him questions like this, and then I said it, and he just took off. And honestly, what's surprising to me is that he didn't find a reason to take off in that direction anyway. Um, I feel like he was going to comment on that at some point. Like that rant was (sighs) not something that was just born out of thin air and only exists. Like I'm not taking credit for this. I don't think it existed only because really
0: interesting. I I don't think it existed only because I
2: asked the question on a whim. I think I think at some point in the days following. Carlisle would have something said something very, very similar um, in some sort of context. Mm-hmm. And whereas I, I do think Jason is just very much just, you know, in the moment he's gonna feel like saying things, describing things in a specific way that, you know, in a different moment, you know, he just may he may just answer questions differently, or, or he may say something about something differently in a way that doesn't mean he's not being consistent as a head coach or within his philosophies. He's just being inconsistent in the way that he answers questions.
0: Yep. Yeah. Well, Tim, you've given me more time than you had to give, and I really appreciate it. Guys, like I said, Tim Cato, athletic, subscribe, pay for good work. Uh you, you can also Venmo me, guys, if you want to, but I'm really it's a question as to whether our work is good. You got anything else before you head out? I think that's it. That was that was fun. I, I feel like i
2: learned so I, I had some breakthroughs. We both had breakthroughs. But like that's I had right. breakthroughs we and stuff I hadn't quite realized yet.
0: We, we, need that Mavs, we need to form that Mavs uh, uh, text chain that you've talked about for like two years, no, we just to kind to of bad that. ideas yeah. around. All yes. right, buddy, you have a yes. good day. We'll talk soon. All right. See you, dude. All right. It's been Kirk Henderson, Mavs Moneyball. It's like, subscribe. You know all the rules. Talk to you guys soon.